0: Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of You Are My Borough with myself, Scott Wilson, and Dom Shaw from the Northern Echo. Everything all right, Dom?
1: Yeah, I'm sound. I'm sound, mate. Yourself.
0: International break ready. Yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah, you've got the big um, one. You've got the big one on Friday night.
0: England, Walter. I mean, you know. Games do not get much bigger than Malta at home when you've already qualified at a probably wet Wembley. It's gonna be wonderful. it be a sellout? I think they're talking about it being Neely. It's it's still outrageous the crowds are getting at Wembley. I mean, you know, I would I I think England should play around the country way, way yeah. more than they do. I absolutely agree with that fundamentally. Um, but I understand why FA still still having Wembley to pay for. They're reluctant to do it when they can get 80,000, 90,000 in for a game against Malta on a Friday yeah. night. I mean, it's pretty staggering, really, isn't it? Um, you know, even if they end up getting 60,000, 70,000 in, that's still an extraordinary crowd for a game like that, really. But I I guess, I don't know, I, I, think, um, I think there's still a lot of kind of, you know, families, kids getting their first look at Wembley, all that kind of stuff, which... You know, you'd think that would kind of exhaust itself eventually, but I think there's still a novelty in kind of taking your kids to an England game and stuff like that, which I guess is good. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a bit of a grind on Friday night, I think. Um, what yeah. wasn't a grind
1: was the weekend. Well, I was going to say Sam Greenwood outrageously overlooked by Gareth Southgate after his first <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah well we're going to have a chat about the weekend which will inevitably lead us into mr greenwood and his wonderful foot um, so we'll have a chat on that we'll have a we'll have a um, a bit of a talk about the break and what borough have coming up after it and that might very well then lend itself to a bit of an early look at january and what might or might happen there and um, just before we start properly thanks as ever for watching and supporting us on these if you are watching it on the youtube channel and um Please comment, like, subscribe. If you're listening to it on one of the podcast platforms, then rate and review. Um, And as I say, thanks very much for watching and listening and supporting. So, Dom, let's get straight to it. The Riverside, Saturday afternoon, Leicester City. um, A proper game, wasn't it? A proper game between two good championship sides. I think we both agree on that. I think everyone will agree on that. And obviously, Borough. Coming out on top. I mean, now that the kind of dust settled, what are your key takeaways from it?
1: Well, when you say there about it being a proper game, Michael Carrick said that he'd said to the players exactly that at halftime, he'd gone in laughing and said, you know, you're in a proper game today, boys, type thing. And Leicester were a proper team. You could see why they were top of the league. You could see why I think everyone agrees that they're gonna go up and probably gonna go up as champions. And it was only just over a week ago that we were talking about kind of breaking all records on the way, really, weren't they? And then obviously they've suffered those yeah. those successive 1-0 defeats. I, I think it was Michael Carrick's best win as Borough boss for two reasons. I think, firstly, the Af- Af- Leicester's aforementioned form, the fact that um, I know le- we only talked last week about the fact that, that in recent weeks they have shown that there's, there's chinks in their armour and, you know, Sunderland um, ran them close, QPR ran them close and then, and then the loss to Leeds, but they are top and they were 11 points clear of third place going in to Saturday's game. And you only have to look at the squad and the bench. I mean, the bench on mm. Saturday, which we touched on last week, had the likes the of England, Vardy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you could, you, all of those players who were on the bench would walk into any Conor Cordy Cody was in the England squad until very, very recently. Yeah. Uh, Suit as a 15 million pound defender, you could go on. Um, so, so clearly that in itself makes it a big win. I think the second reason why it was so impressive and, and probably the best win of Carrick's tenure is the manner, manner in which Borough won the game and the fact that they did have to veer away from the usual approach and yet they, they executed the game plan to perfection. Really, how many gate how many times have we seen Borough dictate and dominate possession against teams and yet? after 15 minutes on Saturday when I looked, Leicester had, had 79% of the ball. Um, yeah. The, the, I think the, men, the mental stress of chasing a team, such a talented team around like that for 90 minutes and, and not making a costly mistake. Um, had Borough held on for a nil-nil draw, you know, it would have been a, a game plan brilliantly planned and executed. The fact they then took the chance because of the moment of magic laid on... Um, just capped it off. So I think really it, it, it's the perfect way to send Burr in the international break on a high and it, and it tees them up nicely now for that busy spell to come, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, which which we will get to in a second. I mean, you touched on it there, the, the kind of tactical shift, if you like. And would it be fair that, that last season, one of the probably very few criticisms he could maybe level at Carrick was that he didn't do enough of that, that in, you know, the big games, you know, of the playoff, semi-finals being the obvious examples, that that he kind of stuck rigidly to what Borough had been doing all season, even though by that stage he didn't necessarily have the personnel he would want and the game wasn't necessarily going the way he wanted. So, you know, is this a big moment in terms of Carrick proving that he can adapt, he can set up a team differently, he can take the opposition by surprise, if you like, and he can veer away from what he'd probably ideally like to do, because of the circumstances of a specific game.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, Our our Northern, I'd love to take this point, credit this point myself, but our Echo colleague, Nick Gullen, said to me yesterday that, like, looked back at that Burnley game last year, when Borough yeah. probably tried to play their own game against Burnley. You were top of the league in a way and gone at the time. And I wasn't at that game, but the, the, the really taught a bit of a football lesson, really. Yeah, Burnley were just yeah, better at what they did. Um and then you look at that Coventry game. I don't necessarily think Borough clearly for that second leg weren't going to change their approach for that game. But in the last half an hour or so of that game, it felt like something maybe a bit different was required. If I remember rightly, Mark mm-hmm. Rogan stuck an extra man in the midfield for the second leg, didn't he? And and, um, yeah. and won that midfield. Yeah,
0: got the grips
1: with that yeah yeah um so i think both of those games when you look back on and now and now look at now look at this you look at burnley in the premier league this season and the way they're trying to approach games that there comes a time for all football managers will have a philosophy and a way they want to play you you will come up against teams who are better than you at that so if you play that way which plays into the hands of that better team then really you're asking for trouble so i, I think it was a, a massive take and a, and a massive win for michael carrick now inevitably he pointed the prayers elsewhere afterwards and talked about it was the coaching team who, who um you know I, i'll credit the coaching team for coming up with the plan and the players for executing it but that is clearly on michael carrick and that you know as as If he'd made a tactical, made a selection decision or a tactical decision that had gone wrong, he'd no doubt be to blame. I think when it goes planned like that, you have to credit the head coach for it.
0: A couple of individual performances that um, I wanted to kind of flag up and discuss. Dale Fry and Johnny Housen, two players who I think we would say have been absolutely integral to Borough for, what, the best part of half a decade now, really, but perhaps haven't either of them been at their absolute best for at least parts of this season. I mean, House obviously hasn't necessarily played every game. Fry, in fairness, has, has kind of chopped and changed defensive partners a little bit. But if that's the case, then um, they were right back on it at the weekend, weren't they? I mean, Dale Fry, magnificent at centre-half, and Housen just doing what Johnny Housen does when he's at his absolute best, which is disrupting... Everything that Leicester tried to do creatively in that kind of pocket behind the forward.
1: Yeah, and disrupting Keen and Jewsbury Hall because and just didn't and didn't leave Jewsbury Hall alone. Um and oh, Fry he didn't, didn't he. leave Ian Atchow alone. And um Enzo Moresca afterwards it was it was put to him that you know was was Borough's man marking a new experience for them. And he said it was a new experience, but um, he felt that they'd overcome it and paid the price for missed chances, which I thought really was doing Borough a bit mm. of a disservice because Housing kept Jewsbury Hall quiet and in his pocket for the most part. Ian Atchew had two big chances, but both of them came from Borough's mistakes. The first time Isaiah Jones... Yeah pass back was cut out and the second time Dieng tried to overplay it a little bit but then Dieng made amends for it um, it was definitely Fry's best pe- well both of them it was it was both both best performance of the season it was as good as I've seen Fry for a long time and I think it's credit to Fry and McNair and I, I know this comes on the back of conceding three goals at Plymouth last week but Daryl Lenahan is a, is a stick-on when he's in the team isn't yeah. it and you can see the same for the attacking players, Greenwood, which we'll talk about, and and Jones as well, with force on the right. It's credit to the players who are in the team that the absence of, of three major players hasn't been as sorely felt as what you'd what you'd have expected to be the case. Because if you you know if we'd have said two months ago, give me two players who Borough really can't afford to lose, then certainly Lenahan and would have been right in the mix, wouldn't they? Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 and and. It kind of carries on the, the straight... I mean, Borough have clearly improved an awful lot since that first month, month and a half of the season. You know, they've, they've got an awful lot better. A lot of the issues that, that were there early on have been ironed out. But they are seeming to be performing better in the big games against the big teams. And if you look at the, at the table, now, admittedly, Cute we are, they played very early. Covenant they played very early, but but it's the teams in that bottom six or seven that they've dropped the points, isn't it? Their record against the top teams in the league so far this season has actually been really
1: good. I mean, you look at Sheffield Wednesday at the bottom and think, oh, didn't borrow Yeah, be? another one, yeah. Sheffield Wednesday. And yet, that second half performance at Sheffield Wednesday, for some reason, whatever was said or whatever was done was 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 clearly the turning point, wasn't it? Because for all Carrick looks back at those early weeks and months and, and says that. He always knew it was coming. Um I don't think the general fan base felt quite as confident as the Not head. Not at half time, um, anyway. <laughs> because, because the performances weren't weren't great at all, were they in the early weeks of the season? And and even now, how, how do you reflect then on this on this chunk of games? Because starting with Birmingham, so let let's let's have a look at them. Um so obviously Birmingham was the first game back after the international break, then it was Norwich. Yeah. Um, away which obviously Borough won 2-1 defeated yeah. over Stoke a victory at Exeter in the Carabao Cup the draw at Plymouth and the, and the victory over Leicester um, despite that defeat to Stoke and the draw at Plymouth but in the last international break Borough were four points off the top six, now the two they've helped themselves into the last eight of the Carabao Cup where they're going to play League yeah. One Port Vale, this has been a Hugely encouraging and positive chunk of games, really, hasn't it? Despite those defeats and despite those, despite, sorry, that defeat and the Plymouth draw and the injuries.
0: I was just going to say, despite the absences, yeah. I mean, the Stoke game feel, the more you look at that Stoke game, the more it just feels like one of those games that you're going to get as a championship team where it just doesn't quite happen for you, you know, unless you're, an exceptionally good team like Burnley were last season and are going to run away with the league. You're just not going to win six, seven, eight, nine games in a row in the championship. You're not really going to stay unbeaten for that length of time either. It's incredibly hard to do. Um, so I think in, in every block like this between international breaks, you're probably going to get a game where it doesn't really happen. That clearly was a Stoke game. The Plymouth game was a bit different. It was a bit hell there. To- uh, it obviously came in a week when Borough were doing a hell of a lot of travelling. I think you probably, you know... You give them a pass for that and say, okay, maybe two drop points, but certainly not a disaster. In and around that, hugely encouraging, like you say. Um, you know, Birmingham comfortable, Exeter a real ding-dong, crack and cup tie, Borough get through on the right side of it and get a fantastic draw, and, and then you beat the league leaders. So, yeah, it, it's been a big month. It, it, feels like, it feels like what it's done is it's built on the progress that was made in – before the before in the last chunk before the last international break, and it's ensured that that momentum hasn't been lost. In fact, if anything, it's it's got even greater. And and, and as you see, what you're starting to see now is three or four probably of the kind of summer arrivals really bedding in and, and and kind of you know making a name for themselves. So Greenwood, the obvious one, Vandenberg clearly, Dieng had already done that. In fairness, but you know absolutely it's a, a top top-class championship goalkeeper so um and they've proved they can cope as you say with the absence of two or three key players who you would have potentially thought "Mm, okay if they're out for the whole of that chunk then that's a worry so yeah I I think Michael Carrick will look back on it um with 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 an awful lot of satisfaction and feel that feel that you know now there are some really really solid foundations in place that Burr can build from through Christmas and, and into the new year
1: we're gonna in our second video and pod later this week, we're gonna to touch on the signings and, and give our verdict on the signings so far and and, and how they've performed and no thoughts on them so far, but gotta talk about Greenwood on the back of that goal on Saturday. Um and
0: Be honest, the- be honest, you were there. When he's when he stepped up, were you thinking, right, here we go, or were you thinking, Behave yourself?
1: Well, so he had a free kick earlier oh in the God, yeah, so he had a free kick earlier in the second half. And um it was it was right right on the edge. And Carrick said afterwards he thought that was too close. And we were laughing. I was I was sat next to Anthony Vickers and Craig Johns from the Gazette, and we were laughing, saying, you know, when we went to um Sam Greenwood's Unveiling in the summer, he was telling us. He was telling us he's kind of a free kick expert, a free kick specialist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it writes itself if he scores here. Sam Greenwood, good to his words, Sam Greenwood, true to his words, Sam Greenwood sticks to his promise, sort of thing. And then he hits the wall, so we're all kind of laughing, saying, Well, there's that idea gone. Um, (sighs) it, I, I, it looked too far out for me. The the second one, um, Mm. and Hermanson, that, that in goal for Leicester, had been excellent. So I didn't. I didn't. It had to be perfect from that distance to be yeah. that keeper, yeah. didn't it? And it and, was, wasn't it?
0: And, mean, it
1: was. Hell and, and it was. And I mean, the, the good thing was, obviously, it was Greenwood that was fouled, and the ball went out to Engel on the left. And the referee should have played the advantage, and he didn't. And Carrick, throughout the game, Carrick was exa- as ex- as exasperated as I'd seen him with officials, and he mm. was furious that the advantage wasn't played. And <laughs> yeah, most of the thirty thousand was, but. I didn't have the heart afterwards to say, Michael, should have. Should the referee have played the advantage and the <laughs> to the winning goal? Yeah, it's yeah. a great goal, isn't it? It's a great hit. Brilliant.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely brilliant. I mean, you just don't hit them better than that. You really don't. And like you say, you know, he's he's always kind of claimed to have it in his locker. And, and in fairness, a couple of Lee's lads who I know and are pretty good friends with when he came said, well, you know, he can't necessarily do this, that or the other, but he can hit a set piece. Yeah. Um, we hadn't really seen it up until then, had we? But um, but my goodness, it was a belter. Yeah, it really was. And it the, really fear, was the fear
1: in the summer, the fear in the summer, when when, when Akpom and, and Ramsey and Archer and the likes went, was where are your match winners? Um, and Greenwood's stepping up and showing himself to be one now, isn't he? Because, he, you know, Carrick's made clear that he was injured, or he had been injured when he came in. He wasn't 100%. He wasn't fit. He wasn't sharp. Um, but but in this chunk of games, he's established himself as something of a talisman, really, hasn't he? Mm.
0: Well, I mean, at the minute, now you know, clearly when he gets back, he's been out for a long time now, and he'll have to work his way back in. But at the minute, would you mm. play McGree ahead of him? I'm not sure I would the way Greenwood play.
1: No, I don't, I can't remember. What I was talking, I know about. they're slightly it's, different they, players, but they were making the case know, so if everyone's fit, would you have McGree on the left and, and move Greenwood into the 10? Him. Role, um, yeah, and then there's Force and Jones on the right. I mean, I mean Carrick suddenly has those options. That whereas at the start of the season the kind of team was bouncing around because because Borough were getting results and performances. Now there's there's real decisions. To be. Morgan Rogers has taken his chance of late, hasn't he? Was excellent at Exeter, yeah. good off the bench against Birmingham, and yet Carrick really just doesn't have the chance to play him in the league games.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think it'll be interesting. Again, I know we're jumping ahead of ourselves here and, and there'll be players potentially coming back fit, but I think it'll be interesting what Carrick does at Port Vale.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
0: Because that's the, you know, quarter quarterfinal territory here and a winnable quarterfinal at like that. Now, you know, I think Glover will play. I think he'll probably stick to his idea of changing his keepers through the tournament. That's fine. You know, a lot of teams do that. But will we see seven, eight changes at Port Vale? That's an interesting one. Yeah, well, I was going to say there is an argument that the likes of Rodgers and Latalath and Silvera have earned the right to me. have it a go. Every everywhere they've played in the, in the round so far. Yeah, definitely. Mm. But, you know, if, if Greenwood's flying in the way that he is and, and if Corburn's, you know, continuing to kick on and progress, would you leave them out of that game? I think that'll be a really interesting one. Um, break now, anyway, I mean, what, what are Borough's kind of... What, what are the the, the the priorities in the break? I mean, obviously, a bit of rest for the players who have been doing it in an ideal world. Hopefully, we'd see a bit of progress in terms of Lenehan, McGree, force and, and getting them back. I mean, is that, you know, the, it'll be interesting come the end of the international break where those players are because they're not kind of, you know, even knocking on the door of being back then. Then you would start to worry for what exactly is going on with those three, wouldn't you?
1: I think what you'd hope for, because when you go to Bristol City after the break, chances are it's going to be an unchanged team. You've just just beaten the league leaders and and the favourites to win the title. But I I think if at the end of next week, Lenahan, Force and Magritte are not yet back in training, then you're... You kind of const- then you're thinking, well, are we going to see him before Christmas? Really, aren't you? Because you're, yeah, yeah. you're at the end of November and they're still not back in training. Now there's clearly a lot of games. I think there's ten games between Bristol City and, and the end of and the end of December. Um, but it, 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 we don't know really anything much about the injuries, do we? So it's hard to. We know McGree's obviously plant a flat, plant a fascia, but other than that, it, when you kind of don't know what you're dealing with, it's hard to. Get know oh, really no, what how long how long they're going to be out for, or what the what the expectation is for when they might be back.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't know. I, I, it's a bit anecdotal this because um because you know obviously we cover Sunderland, and Newcastle. Newcastle have horrendous injury issues going on at the minute. But I just I have a feeling at the minute that if you look across various leagues, and I know I'm probably edging a bit more Premier League here than necessarily Championship and Borough specific, but there just seem to be a hell of a lot of players out with kind of muscular injuries yeah. that either keep reoccurring or uh, uh, players that were going to be out for a little while. And then all of a sudden they're, they're out for three months. And, you know, I, I don't want to keep banging the drum here for this overworked footballers and, and, the, but, um you know, it, it, it does seem to be an issue. And it and certainly it has been an issue for Borough this season with injuries that at the first, you know, the, the first kind of appearance seemed fairly innocuous and, and the soundings we were getting was that they were fairly innocuous. But actually, they haven't really turned out that way.
1: Well, I, I thought I'd read something. And I've just double-checked myself, double-checked now. There was a piece I read at the end of last week that at the weekend, more than 30 Premier League players were missing with hamstring injuries, purely with hamstring injuries. Yeah. Um, that doesn't happen by coincidence, does it? That That doesn't happen by chance. Now, why it is is it because the the game's so much faster and more dynamic these days is it, is it the knock on effect two years on of covid and the, and the lack of a break between seasons and the players just never really having a chance to recover I, I don't know it's because if it was yeah. one team if it was one team then you'd say like clearly then they're that they're, you know the, the, their pre-season preparation their pre-season um plan hasn't been Design well enough. They're not conditioned enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what across the league shows that there's, there's yeah. something at play. There's definitely something at play.
0: I mean, I, 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 I'm i not I'm not for one minute suggesting this is any way the case with McGree, Force or Lenehan. I'm sure it absolutely isn't. But I'm, Tony Mulberry is interest, interested on this with Sunland because he is adamant that player scans are so good and so detailed that they will pick up issues that then kind of get into players' heads and that court, medical staff feel they can't take a risk with, that 20, 30, 40 years ago just would never have been picked up or, or thought about. Now, I'm, listen, I'm not go- suggesting for one second we should go back to the 70s and 80s when players would be out concussed and they'd get up and patch something on their head and off we go. Or, you know, players are, are thrown out there with, with muscular injuries where they're clearly not fit and clearly not right and do long-term damage. I'm not suggesting that at all, but I do wonder if there is something in the fact that nowadays scans are so kind of good and so detailed that the, the slightest of issue is picked up and, and and then there's a need to be much more cautious than maybe you would have been. I don't know. I, I think that's an interesting one. Mowbray certainly thinks there's something in that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is. That, that is an interesting... And there's got to be... The, the, it, clearly, it's, not horses for, it's horses for courses, isn't it? And there isn't a blanket issue across across the board um riley mcgree for example we've talked about it haven't we plant a fascia plenty fasciitis had. yeah one of my mates has had it bad in the past and it is one of those troublesome injuries isn't it that is hard think, to get the yeah, yeah. Of. and it's not like it's not like a ruptured achilles or a broken leg where you say right you need to do three months of this and yeah. then four months this of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um and and yeah i don't know it, it it's 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 an interesting one and it'll be interesting, I think, to see how how it progresses across the course of the season because the more it happens, especially in the Premier League, I think the more managers are going to start speaking out about it, aren't they? Because if they've got their best players out, look at Andrew Postacoglu with Tottenham, for example, and all the players he's got out at the minute. Now, Postacoglu, I think, is the one manager who won't twist. Might not. Yeah, but... But
0: some of them getting themselves sent off—that would be a start for him.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keeping eleven players on the field might be a start for Spurs.
1: Yeah, you know. We've right.
0: digressed here. We've digressed a bit. Uh, let's get back on track. Let's get back to Borough. January. I mean, you know, we're, we're not far off now, are we? A month and a half. Um, I mean, what, what, what do you? I think, I think the expectation is or has been that they will probably try to get a striker in because obviously. Corburn and Lath have dovetailed really nicely in the last month or so, but there's not an awful lot um, of options beyond that. I think we probably have felt that it's likely to be a Premier League loan potentially because you, you feel that that's probably Borough's best route to a player who can come in and, and make a real difference in the second half of the season. Do you think that will remain the priority and and where else do you think they might be looking
1: I think that I think that's probably the one area, like you say, where you look and you, you, you're one injury or suspension or real lack of form away from being left very short there, aren't you? If, if Latte yeah. Lath got injured, for example, and we touched on this last week, and then you've got, as well as Coburn's done, a 20-year-old playing his first full season of Championship football as, as your only recognised centre-forward, then clearly that's an issue... And I think, again, as we touched on last week, in January, your Premier League low knee is for all borough have clearly moved away, as we've seen this year. We've got evidence of this year, and especially with the Greenwood deal, that they've moved away from the position they were in last year, where they've got a handful and more of low knees. In January, that is your best chance, unless you have unearthed an absolute gem from overseas. That is your best chance of bringing in real game-changing quality for the second half of the season isn't it
0: yeah yeah i I think so i think so i think you know we saw that with archer last year didn't we you know um if if a player became available the borough would not have been able to sign permanently so be interesting to see if that happens what about the um? what about the other way so you know it's normally at this time of year that you start getting a little bit nervous about your prize asset clearly that's Hayden happily at the minute i mean do we think that there's any risk of a Premier League big boy coming in for Hackney? I mean, you know, I I, I I think it's a pretty open secret that scouts from some of the real biggest Premier League teams have been watching him quite regularly this season. I've heard Liverpool, I've heard Spurs. Um, you know, do do we do we think that there's kind of any chance of 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 Borough being forced into a decision there? I think it's probably 6 months too early will be my view on it. I I could see Premier League clubs having a real good look at happening in the summer. I'd be surprised if any of them made a real move in January. I think it's you know he still hasn't had a, a, a real full season of, of being a Championship player on the belt, has he?
1: No, that was the that was what I was going to say. I, I, it strikes me as I think the type of player he is. Um, it's not like he's a centre forward who's absolutely tearing up the Championship, or for example. Jack Clark up the road at Sunderland, I could see Premier League clubs having having a sniff at him yeah. in January. He was wanted yeah. in the summer. Um, he's he's top of the or joint top of of the goal scoring charts. Um, uh, he's the type of player you could see clubs having a sniff for in January. Hackney, yeah, um, having just signed a new contract, made it absolutely clear how happy he is here uh, and and how he feels like he's on they're on the right track here in michael carrick he's got a head coach who gave him his it gave him his opportunity um and and i just think from speaking to hackney i did that piece last year where i spoke to the coaches and managers who've worked with him in the past so graham lee who came who was with him with the under 21s neil cox who had him at scunthorpe tony mcmahon who was um the assistant manager at scunthorpe and they all talked about how how much of a wise head Hackney has on his shoulders, but also that those around him are all have the players' best interest at heart. He's represented by a local agency. His his dad follows him absolutely everywhere, going to watch him and is his and he's his biggest fan, and, and it clearly yeah. has his best interest at heart. It doesn't strike me that anyone associated with Hackney will be agitating him and saying you could you could get yourself yeah. you could be in line for a Premier League move in January. Like, we, we all understand, don't we, that Hackney looks like a Premier League player in the making. And there will come a time where if Borough don't get there, like like Tavernier, like Jed Spence, or like, he was a different sort of example, wasn't he, that yeah. every player's got a price. And and, it, and if a huge bid lands at some point in the future, then clearly Borough have a decision to make. But I, I'd be amazed if Hackney... Really, I'd be amazed if there was any real speculation about him leaving in January, not just about him going in January. And and, and in terms of coming in... Oh, sorry, go on.
0: No, I was just going to say, well, the other one that that, that might have to be more of a decision within January is probably McNair, isn't it? Just because of his contract situation. Now, I think that's a more interesting one because, what he's got six months left. If he's not Borough's highest paid player, he will be one of... The top two or three just by dint of the time when he signed that contract and the kind of world borough we're operating in then you'd be surprised if they were the borough were keen to offer him a new long-term deal on those terms because it's a different borough now it's a different financial model it's it's a different you know everything about the club if you like is, is different so so that then makes it a little bit awkward, doesn't it? If there is any interest in McNair in in January, because clearly, if you're not going to offer him a deal, he's going to sign. Then you, the, then you're, you're you're pretty near to a position when he's going to walk potentially for nothing in the summer. So, I think that could be an interesting one in
1: January. And McNair is a player who is who was certainly attracted it. Well, there's, there's 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 really over the course of the last couple of years, there's always been a little bit of McNair speculation. In the yeah. back, end, hasn't there? There's been a few clubs who've been linked: Leeds, Stoke, Luton, in the summer. There's been, I think, yeah. there was even, was there even um, talk of a club in Italy being interested in him in, in the summer, if I if I remember rightly. So I, I don't think it'd be a complete surprise if if there was if if a club had to dabble up McNair in January. For all clearly, at the minute, McNair's you know playing for an an borough side. Um, yeah, and, and if if a, he's one player where, yeah, I was going to say to you, we've talked about the center forward position, but where else in the squad looks short? I'm not sure if there's any real area that looks desperately short, but if, for example, McNair was to th- there was a decision to be made on McNair in January, I think you'd then have to bring someone in, wouldn't you? At centre oh, yeah. Half. yeah, Vandenberg can play there, yeah, Matt Clark's coming back, but 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 you, you you're risking leaving yourself in the... Uh, in, in, in in Yeah, uh, and I
0: think it's interesting because I think that if if Borough were to make the decision that, okay, we're probably not going to offer a McNair a contract that he's going to sign. So if somebody comes in for him, okay, we, we probably will have a think about that. Then I don't think what you're wanting to do then is just bring someone in on a six-month loan to plug a gap. I think if you, if you're going to get rid of McNair, it's because you're feeling that, that 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 money is going to be better invested in, in a young player who you believe in, who you can bring through and who can do a job for you over the course of the long-term contract that you're not necessarily going to... Now, we're talking about McNair's contract situation. Clearly, Burr know all about McNair's contract situation. You know, the one thing you would say about things at, at, at Rockcliffe at the minute is it does seem a far better... Um, more harmonious, but also just better organized, better, m- much more developed recruitment operation than has maybe been the case in the past. So I'm absolutely sure that they'll have players earmarked. That if something was to happen with McNair, that will be where Borough would go to. It'd be interesting to see what type of players they are, whether it's, you know, another relatively unknown and in the, the sense from overseas. Do they have a Lenehan identified who they think is ready-made in the Championship, who they could go and pluck and would go straight into that first team? I think it'd be an interesting one.
1: Yeah, um, and if you're looking at the other areas that that Borough might look at and think, does it need work? Right back for all, Vandenberg's been excellent there. He's he's a centre-half playing at right back. Does Tommy Smith's out for the season? I don't know, but I, I suspect not. But it, but it, but, if, but it's one of the areas where you look at it and think they might be short in they are elsewhere. Left-back, they've yeah. brought two left-backs in in the summer. Midfield, you've got House and Hackney and Barlasa battling for two spots and, and Lewis O'Brien still to come back. So, so, yeah. but other than up front, I don't think Borough are desperately short anywhere, are they? and they're not desperately short up front, but I agree. You, you take the point there.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And, and, you know, if you think of the wide positions, well, you know, if they get McGree and Force back, then, then you know, they've got four four there before we even think of your Silveras and your Rodgerses and, and players like that. So, no, I, I I would definitely agree. I would think that um, attack is clearly the priority. Defensive, something happens. Um, but no, apart from that, you know, I, I don't think it'll be a busy January, do you? A, a couple, maybe, and, and that's probably going to be it.
1: Like, I think, like, last, like last January where... So Barlasa was clearly a long-term target who they were able to get. I think, you know, the, the, the centre-half kind of scenario that you touched upon there, you could see you could see that sort of thing, couldn't you? Other than that, the potential of a Premier League low-knee centre-forward. Or perhaps they do have something up the sleeve with a, with a centre-forward. Um, what Borough yeah. did well in the summer was keep things under wraps, didn't they? You know, a, a lot of the deals didn't yeah. get out yeah. until the last minute. and And that's yeah. rare isn't it in in this game um so yeah, yeah i don't think again i think gone of the gone of the days where um borough left kind of sc- mainly because every because everyone's pulling in the same direction and they haven't got a head coach in who's maybe got a different view to a previous head coach so they're having to buy players to fit a different sort of model the, the gone of the days now really in january where you need to be scampering around looking for players and and yeah. Fingers crossed, if Borough continue to progress in the manner that they've been playing the last couple of weeks and months, then they're going to be entering January from a position of strength again, aren't they, rather than kind of firefighting fighting at the bottom of the division where you're thinking we desperately need a centre forward to to get us out of trouble. Um, really, when you look back to the first international break and the picture then, if you'd have said we'd have been having this general 35, 36 minutes of conversation a couple of months on. It's credit to everyone involved isn't it it's incredible really
0: yeah yeah and the change has been you know fantastic and, and 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 you know i keep going back to it we've said it on a number of these videos i think you've, you know an awful lot of credit to michael carrick for not pressing the panic button and not trying to overthink things because you see so many managers do it and and you know for a manager in his first job you know pretty much going through his first really tr- sticky spell for Carrick to have ridden it out as as, as kind of level-headed and and, um, and and impressively as he's done is it's a massive tick in the box for me. Like it really is.
1: Yeah, and not as we discussed at length, not kind of revert to. Well, you know, I lost my best players. I've lost my centre forward. We've yeah, brought in yeah, yeah, yeah. young players who are still getting. There was none of it. Was there? absolutely none of it? Not oh. not even not even a hint of going down that path. And we that kind was. of felt it. it's good. It's gonna it's gonna have to come in the end, but it just. No, there wasn't even a hint of it, was there? So what's uh, what's on the
0: Dom Shaw agenda? Well I know what you're doing for the rest of the day oh, because you and Dom Shaw had meetings in the office yesterday, and you've managed to doil up completely by leaving your laptop cable in the office. So you've got to shoot through there, haven't you?
1: Yeah, so I'm going there. And and in another, we discussed this as well beforehand, didn't I? In in another laptop development, the F key has come off my keyboard so i was going to say if you see yeah. typos in my copies but if you see more typos in my, copies, in my copy then yeah. uh then it, and it's yeah. still fly F4. then you know why
0: it is, is literally off
1: well yeah it, i've managed to stick yeah there it is again there we go it's like sticking back on but uh, it's very unsteady
0: yeah that's not so, what you want no that's not so. what you want yeah, no no it's not, it's, not, it's
1: not all glamour, this job is it? Having to put up with no Fs <laughs> and, two and going back to get my laptop Yeah. yeah. How about yourself yeah. other than other, you're not you're not in North Macedonia next Monday, are you?
0: No, I'm not in more North Macedonia. No, I've managed to have I have been to Skopje before, actually. It's actually really nice. Not sure it'll be nice in the middle of November. Um it's got a lovely canal bit. It's um yeah, it's it's uh it's actually quite quite a nice city, Skopje. But no, no, I'm not um what am I doing? I am down in London actually. Is it? I'm off Thursday and I'm down in London to see Jamie Webster. Oh, class! You aware of uh, yeah, Mr. Webster class. and his Liverpoolian uh, yeah,
1: tunes? Class. Where's he I'm, playing? I'm, in uh,
0: somewhere in Camden. Is it the yeah. Electric Ballroom that's in Camden? I think it might be there. It's somewhere in Camden. So that'll right. be a. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: I'm, I'm down with my brother-in-law. He lives down there, so I'm down with him, uh, and he likes a bevy or two. So I think there'll be a. Uh, Little bit of ale sucked on Thursday and then wake up and do a bit of work and head to Wembley to uh, sleep through the first half of England Walter and then wake <laughs> up and write a match report and then drive home through the night. So that'll be all right, won't it?
1: <laughs> oh class, that'll be good. That'd be good, that gig, won't it?
0: I'm looking forward to that actually. More than England more. I shouldn't say that. Listen, I'm getting paid to watch football. It's uh it's not really a job, is it? But uh I'll remind you of that when I'm on the M1 in traffic and looting at about past midnight with the hours still to do to get upload That's always the best.
1: Well at least at least the good thing about that is at least this time next week we can have a bit more service station chat and discuss where you stopped off on the Perfect. way back from from, from London. In we'll the do that.
0: We'll definitely do that. Yeah. We'll be yeah. back with, uh, right.
1: we're, we're gonna do another vid later in the week. Um we, we are going to discuss the, the summer signings as as we said our kind of verdict yeah. on each of those but as we say every week if there's anything in particular you want us to discuss then these international pauses are a, are a great opportunity to do that so just give us a shout on twitter or leave a leave a comment in the comments section on youtube or get in touch with us um via email and, and we'll certainly add that to our list but thanks for watching thanks for listening if you're um if you listened on on podcast and we'll catch you later in the week